The show is here. Yo, our mission is clear. It's time to change healthcare. Have no fear. Today is the day. This is the hour. Together, you know we've got the power. Drop the silos. We're all the same team. Patients, docs, nurses, tech, and marketing. How can anyone be satisfied with the way things have always been? Yeah, we've tried. So join us now. Join the revolution. Digital health is the evolution. Status quo, more like status, no. Yeah, this is the healthcare rap. Y'all, come on, let's go. New choices, new platforms, new care models. In the healthcare of tomorrow, consumers win. But who will design it? What will it look like? And how long will it take? We're here to answer those questions with some provocative thinking about how to create the healthcare that people actually want. Ready to roll up your sleeves, look at the world a little differently, and explore the frontiers of consumer health together? Join us. This is the Healthcare Wrap. Welcome back. I'm Jared Johnson, ready to share some more provocative thinking about building the healthcare of tomorrow. If you're just now joining us, we hope you'll follow us and check out our previous episodes, all 200 of them. We're getting close to wrapping up season seven, where we've been writing the consumer health playbook and answering three important questions. Who will design it? What will it look like? And how long will it take? Let us know what you think about this episode and what topics you're dying to hear about in future episodes by reaching out on LinkedIn or Twitter at Healthcare Wrap. So here's what's going to go down today. We have the flavor of the week about settling on the term consumer transformation. How do we build up the consumer transformation function across roles, seniority levels, and types of organizations? I'll talk about that. Then Johnny Rodriguez from Fresh Labs is back in the house to give us a guided tour of the metaverse. Johnny is actively tracking, get this, more than 200 metaverse environments. And he'll walk us through what we should know now as well as what we should be paying attention to in the near future. It's time to dive right in. Are you ready? Let's go. Flavor of the week. We're going to fulfill our quest for consumer-first health much more quickly and effectively once we start using the same definitions. And the first thing we should define is a general term to describe all of the efforts involved in the process of putting consumers at the center of the change management process. Now, that's a pretty transformative process, so I vote that we settle on the term consumer transformation, which is different than consumerism. It's much more comprehensive and inclusive of what's involved. A shift in your mindset culture, leadership, and business model. It's rooted in the same tenets of consumerism, which I define as the process of empowering consumers to have more choices in their own health and wellness and the right information to decide between those choices. But consumer transformation goes deeper. It says this is a permanent shift in the products, services, and experiences that we're offering healthcare consumers. And it acknowledges that the consumer's voice has been historically underrepresented during the development of the business systems that are at the foundation of today's sick care. Now let's acknowledge that there are new sets of skills and competencies associated with it, and that while we only see it as a single line in job descriptions right now, we will soon start to see jobs around it. Then we're going to see whole teams built around it. Here are three areas in particular that I expect to see rapid growth in the coming months and years. First, consumer strategy. This involves setting the vision and building consensus. Second, consumer ops or operations, the ones managing the day-to-day boots-on-the-ground needs. And third, consumer transformation itself, the C-level owner and evangelist. These functions generally reside fractionally within marketing, digital innovation, and business roles. But I expect a lot of movement to happen over the next 12 to 18 months, so keep an eye on how titles and roles start to change in the near term. One way or another, the vision is becoming clearer. We want to substantially build up the consumer transformation function across all roles, seniority levels, and types of organizations. 
The sooner we can pave a trail for these disciplines and move beyond buzzwords, the quicker we'll push healthcare to a better place. And this is a big step in that direction. I'm rooting for the voice of consumers to be better represented in the care navigation value equation. Let's get there faster, starting by settling on the term consumer transformation. That's another way that we'll build the healthcare of tomorrow. And that's the flavor of the week. All right, everyone, let's get into the flow. Give it up for Johnny Rodriguez. Johnny's back. He's the director of strategic innovation at Fresh Consulting. He was here a little over a year ago, and I can't wait to welcome him back. We're going to dive deep into the metaverse. Uh, Johnny, welcome to the Healthcare Wrap. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me. I can't believe it's been a year. I can't either. When I looked back at that, that was that was hard to believe. It didn't feel like that long ago. We were talking about, I mean, all sorts of things. We were not talking about the metaverse, though, then. And that's what we're going to dive into today. But before that, what, what else did I miss in your bio? What else would you like our listeners to know about you and your background? Yeah, I run, so I run Fresh Labs, which is a department within Fresh Consulting. I, I really like my job. It's it's a really, really fun job. We get to work with a lot of emerging technologies. So my company does a lot of stuff, right? We do like strategy and innovation, design, software, robotics. It's like a really wide range of things. But my team is is focused on, yes, we are building products, external and internal products. But we're, we're looking at like, what are these emerging technologies that are coming? Our current and future customers should be thinking about. You know, are there new service offerings that we need to add right to our list? Are things like AR, are they ready for our, you know, our customers and our clients, things like that? So we've been looking at things. And this year, there's that bigger focus that we've had on the metaverse. And we're looking at the metaverse as like this umbrella topic. And under that, you have things like augmented reality and virtual reality and the blockchain and NFTs. So a lot of these things that kind of fall naturally under this umbrella. And, um, and so we've had a big focus of that. We've been doing a lot of content creation and educating there. So uh, yeah, I'm excited to jump in and talk about that a little bit with you today. One thing that we'll get into, I, th- I think uh, you mentioned to me right in our pre-interview here was the fact that you're tracking over 200 different metaverse environments, which yeah. just kind of blew my mind. Yeah, it's interesting. And I think that there's a misconception today that the metaverse is going to end up being a single environment, right? I think that's because we've, we've seen movies like Ready Player, Ready Player One, right? Or, you know, you hear about companies like Meta that change their name, right? They go from Facebook to Meta and it's like, oh, wow, are they going to be like the metaverse environment? So there's a lot of questions around, well, is there going to be one? Is there going to be two or three? Is it going to be big tech companies? The reality is the metaverse is just versus, right? There's a lot of virtual environments that are going to be out there and you might consume them for different purposes. And there's a lot of uh, things that we're tracking that are thinking about like, the bridges between those, right? Like how do you go from one to the other and keep your stuff? And and we're looking at a lot of those things. But yes, there are around 200 metaverse environments and growing. And those are just the ones that we've tracked. I'm finding new new ones almost every single day. I went to, I went to South by Southwest here in Austin early this year and I came back and had to add one called the hottie verse. <laughs> it was like <laughs> everyone's just putting a, a word before the word verse and it's kind of funny and, and sometimes they're not quite a metaverse environment, but we're looking at blockchain-based metaverse environments, non-blockchain-based, you know, run by companies, corporations. We're looking at those that are completely done in virtual reality or those done in things like the browser and trying to add all the details around the, you know, funding, accessibility, interactivity, how many concurrent users, things like that. So that when we are consulting customers, we can say, 
what are the needs? And then let's kind of narrow down to tell you what the, the right environment is for, is for your situation. So you're saying it's only a matter of time before we have the Johnny verse. Oh, the Johnny verse exists. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, I don't have I don't have a personal metaverse environment. I do have metaverse real estate. I have digital real estate where I, I hold, hold my meetings. Um, I hold stand-up meetings there. I hold weekly meetings with my team. We're going to host a, a, a monthly meetup in one of the metaverse environments that we're in right now. We will hold, we'll host some team meetings and we're finding it to be a good alternative to 2D teleconferencing, right? So like Zoom and Google Meet and Microsoft Teams, we're finding that this element of being able to go to kind of a 3D environment is allowing us to get the benefits of proximity, right? That we usually used to get pre-pandemic where we'd be closer and we actually have empathy towards each other and there's more care and we talk to each other a little bit more kindly. We're starting to see that kind of come back as we start to meet in these virtual environments and have avatars that represent ourselves and actually being close to people and experiencing some of the same social awkwardness of not standing too close and standing in groups and not interrupting people and things like that. So it's been interesting to see us go from that in-person to pandemic world with everything going into 2D and conferencing to in our case, going into these virtual kind of metaverse environments and starting to see lots of benefits and lots of positivity and how that's affecting the dynamic with our interpersonal relationships. You're probably going to hear me say the word fascinating a lot, but that's that's pretty fascinating. That's <laughs> just even yeah. crazy that, that that exists. Perfect place for us to kind of dive in and, and let's start with some entry points. Let's start with some definitions of sure. metaverse and some of the related building blocks. Yeah, absolutely. So I've been tracking a lot of this. So if if anybody that's listening were to pull out their phone right now and go to Webster's Dictionary or any dictionary app they have on their phone and they type in the metaverse, it's not going to come up. <laughs> it's such a new emerging technology. I, we like to find technologies like this that don't actually exist yet. But the metaverse isn't in the in the dictionary. And so you're going to hear lots lots of different definitions. I've been, as part of my, my job, I've been tr- actually tracking a lot of these definitions just to see what are these big tech companies calling the metaverse? What are some smaller organizations building ones for different industries? What are they calling them? And I've been tracking, I found about 50 that I really like. And I think I've come up with hopefully the one that ends up in the dictionary, but we'll we'll see. It, it may not. The definition that I have here is it's been a little bit long here. Bear with me. So the metaverse is an expansive network of interconnected, persistent 3D spaces where you can work, play, shop, and socialize with other people who aren't in the same physical space. So that definition actually rolls out quite a lot of things. I get questions a lot like. Is it just your virtual presence, your digital presence? Does that mean that my Instagram account's technically a metaverse environment? Well, this definition rolls that out when it's not in a 3D space. Or is it a game? Like I think about, people have asked me this. I play NBA 2K, right? This basketball game on the PlayStation. It's a virtual environment. It's, it's multi-user. You can, you can buy digital goods. Is that a metaverse environment? Well, it's not persistent, right? Next year's version comes out. I won't get to carry those sneakers with me. I won't get to carry that jersey with me. There's a lot of a lot of things that that kind of rolls out. The big emphasis that I like to underline when I put this on a slide is a place where you can work, play, shop, and socialize. Those are really key parts of a metaverse environment. It's not just a gaming thing. Although the gaming, the gaming aspect is actually a really key use case that has really accelerated the kind of the the creation and kind of the the building out of the metaverse. There's lots of 
gaming tied to it. You can think about things like Fortnite and Roblox. And I'd love to talk about those and what other, you know, Gen Z and how they're caring about their digital economy and their digital goods and how that's connected to the metaverse. But all these elements are, it's not just a gaming thing. It, it can be a work thing. It can be a play thing. It could be a shop thing and it could be a socialize, you know, so, socializing thing. That's the definition. Some people, I would say like a lot of what I've heard too is that people say that the metaverse is a 3D successor of the current internet and it is a convergence of the physical and augmented and virtual realities. So a combination of the kind of the three three realities all into one and it really being a kind of convergence of things that's kind of bringing us to this next version of the web. So you mentioned some generational differences, uh, millennials, Gen Z, you know, digital natives really for, in other words, in my mind, tell me about how attitudes towards the metaverse are different. I mean, I'm guessing, you know, trying to generalize here a little bit, but you skew a little younger, you're your digital native, you're going to naturally not question the value so much of being in the metaverse or being in one of these gaming environments or, or question, well, of course, we're going to be able to do that thing. Uh, Of course, I'm going to be able to, of course, I'm going to spend some money there. This feels like the questions are different in general, depending on uh, someone's age and, and generation they're in. Is that, is that accurate? That is accurate. That's absolutely accurate. That said, like so, some of the surveys that I've seen, I, I saw one recently from from Bloomreach. They surveyed about a thousand people. There's another one done, I think, by Frog. They did another thousand people, and they were looking at this Gen Z, which you know, just thinking about it in general, you know, kind of making an assumption. The assumption would be, hey, this younger group's gonna they're going to be bigger users of the metaverse. They're going to be more welcoming of that kind of thing. The reality is that a lot of this younger group they actually don't really know what the word the metaverse is. They don't actually know that they're in metaverse environments. And so that actually is one of the disconnect. And all these surveys are really being skewed where it's like, oh, I have no interest in the metaverse. I have never actually, I don't think I've ever been in a metaverse environment. So a lot of the answers are kind of like similar to what would be you'd see from like a Gen Y or millennial. But then you start to get to other questions like, do you buy, you know, how many times a week do you buy something digitally, right? For your avatar, do you buy a skin for your, for your character? And it's like, oh yeah, that happens almost daily. That happens almost weekly. Okay. How often are you gaming? How many hours a day or hours a week are you in a gaming environment where there's multiple users? Oh yeah. Tons of times, you know, six to eight hours in the summer or something. Right. And it's like, and so a lot of the questions are like, well, they're checking all the boxes for being in these virtual kind of metaverse environments. I think there's definitely a disconnect on the definition, but as far as as it relates to Gen Z being in these kind of virtual gaming environments where they're doing things outside of just gaming, right? Like let's take Fortnite, for example. The assumption there is that Fortnite's just a game. You're going to go play and you're going to be shooting around and having teams and it's like a battle royale. I've played Fortnite a few times. I think that is usually the assumption of those that haven't played it. Well, the reality is they do other things. You can actually, you can, you, they do entertainment all the time. Uh, so for example, they had... Travis Scott there. They had Ariana Grande there. So Travis Scott, when he did a show, he did a 15-minute show inside of Fortnite. What it was is there was this this rapper named Travis Scott. I don't agree with a lot of his personal views on things. <laughs> He's done some some things that I'm, I, I definitely uh, I wouldn't advocate for. But just as it relates to his involvement with Fortnite and kind of virtual environments, entertainment, it's really interesting to track this. But he did a 15-minute show. It was this massive, giant-looking Travis Scott performing a few songs in Fortnite. And in that 15-minute show, they had 12 million users that watched him perform. Like that's a big number. If you compare that to the biggest 
TV Night, which is actually the Oscars, that has 9.23 million viewers. That's in 2021. And it's considered to be one of the biggest nights of entertainment. Meanwhile, in Fortnite, you have Gen, Gen Z, right? And they're watching Travis Scott perform. 12 million users. He made 12, $20 million from that compared to, I think it was his $40 million of during a year of touring throughout the US. So you can see like the appeal of like getting entertainment into some of these environments, right? Ariana Grande, I think she had performed before. And these are like just massive, massive numbers for these kind of virtual environments. So like that's Fortnite. And then you have on the other hand, Roblox, which is an even younger group, just to give you a breakdown on like some ages, just for, for those that are listening that don't know about these environments. Fortnite has 350 million total users, 60 million monthly active users. 40% of kids that are between 10 and 17 are playing Fortnite every week. They've generated over a billion dollars of revenue in digital digital assets. So, and then you have Roblox, which is even crazier. You know, they're a forty-three billion dollar company. They're a publicly traded company. They have forty-seven million daily active users, not monthly. Daily active users, forty-seven million kids. They're they're in the two hundred and two million monthly active users, and and that age group is a little bit. It's a little bit younger. It's a sixty-seven percent of the users are under sixteen. And then only 14% of those users are 25 and older. But this Roblox environment, right? Like they're cross compatible. You can be on a PC, you can be on a mobile mobile phone, 72% of users on a mobile phone. And these, all these like kids, right? 202 million monthly active users. These these kids are in these environments and self-expression is so important for them in these platforms, right? Like the value of their digital goods are more valuable than their physical goods. That might change as they get a little bit older, but imagine when these kids get into the workforce, right? They are they are digital natives, right? And so they're growing up where this is normal, where they're in these environments. And so Lil Nas X performs in Roblox and that's 37 million users for his show. So not even the 12 million that I talked about with, with Travis Scott, like you're getting other, other environments like this. And so these start as gaming platforms sometimes, right? Fortnite, Roblox, and then they turn into open world environments where you can interact and socialize and then... Little by little, you'll start to see these evolve into, you know, other things, right? Where you can start to see businesses. So these are not primary businesses for you. If you're thinking about your small business and maybe where to advertise or entry points, these are not where you should be looking. Fortnite and Roblox and things like that. This is where a lot of big, big brands like Coca-Cola and Nike and a lot of these big brands are thinking about, like, hey, we want to have wearables in these environments. We want to have a digital product. So I have one on my shelf behind me that no, people listening won't be able to see here, but there was a, a new flavor of Coca-Cola introduced called the Coca-Cola Zero Bite. And that's B-Y-T-E, like the, the bites. And uh, they actually introduced that in Fortnite. And so it was a metaverse-born flavor, they called it. And then they sold a small amount of those actual physical Coca-Colas and they said, hey, if everybody wants to have it, you can see what a pixel tastes like. So I bought one of those and it was just interesting to see like these big brands advertising in these these spaces. But lots, lots of things are happening in these environments. These are just examples. Like I said, Fortnite and Roblox are just examples of where these bigger brands are going and where there's a massive adoption of of user base. But there's a whole nother 198 you know, 197 <laughs> environments out there where you are have seeing businesses and you're seeing finance and you're seeing healthcare and, and different people jumping in and, and finding some traction and others just trying to figure out how to get in. So it's been interesting to track a lot of that stuff. Stay tuned for more provocative thinking after the break.
Hey, listen up, y'all. Did you know that nearly 60% of people wish their healthcare provider sent them more relevant health information? And 42% would even consider switching to a different provider that sent them more, according to a recent survey of patients in the U.S. The vast majority of them would prefer to get that information via email or text. Persado is a natural language AI company that provides healthcare organizations with pre-developed, pre-optimized messaging journeys proven to build digital relationships, improve health goals, and increase patient retention. Deliver better health outcomes and revenue growth with Persado's data-driven content that inspires action. Visit persado.com to learn more. That's persado, P-E-R-S-A-D-O.com to find out how Persado can help. Justin Knott here with the Patient Convert Podcast, your weekly dose of healthcare marketing growth strategies, co-hosted by Justin and Kelly Knott. This is perfect for physicians, practice owners, healthcare entrepreneurs, and healthcare executives. We are breaking down what practices and healthcare organizations should be doing to grow, reach, and retain patients. There's so much confusion and so many options out there around what you should be focusing on to grow your practice, and we're breaking down each week what really works. We're bringing real-world application, case studies, and interviews from leading growth-minded physicians and healthcare executives. So catch us weekly on your favorite listening platforms, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google. Okay, back to the flow. Well, what it tells me is the world around us is a lot bigger than most of what we spend our time doing from day to day, uh, especially in in an industry like healthcare, where we can just get so blinded by, or I guess just narrowed down of what we're doing day to day. And we don't realize what's happening in the world around us. Well, those things around us change not only expectations for what an experience should be like, it also changes the direction of innovation in my mind, just to hear about the types of innovation that are happening. You hear a word like digital, which I love the innovation that's going on with these big brands, consumer brands. What I wouldn't want people to do is think, Oh, well, that's, that's fun and good. They're just having, they're having fun. They're playing games out there. There are some practical business applications that have to do with, or at least rooted in the same types of innovation that are based in metaverse environments. Can we dig into those for a little bit? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's worth starting with saying that uh, it does feel like, you know, a lot of the impression is, oh, that's out in the future. That's got to be 10 to 20 years out. I shouldn't be thinking about it. And the reality is, yeah, definitely don't spend your marketing dollars on it yet. Right. Like I think there, it, it's something to be educating yourself about, start to form strategies about. And there are, there are some practical use cases today that you're seeing some businesses use. I mentioned one today with how we're using it. So as it relates to holding internal only virtual meetings, think about all those that you do today. Right. That's a really, really easy entry point and way to kind of dabble and understand what's going on in the environment. So we like spatial.io. If you go there on the browser, it's accessible. It's accessible in the browser 
It's accessible on Android and iPhone. It's accessible in AR headsets like HoloLens and Magic Leap, as well as VR headsets like standalone, you know, the Quest 2 and other headsets are coming. So it's a really accessible environment. It's a 3D environment. They give you some free, we have no connection, by the way, we're not getting <laughs> sponsored by them. We just like them. We like to tell people to go there to understand what's going on. But big brands have used them, small brands have used them, but there are even companies being run entirely in the quote-unquote metaverse inside of virtual environments like Spatial. So going to Spatial, picking one of their environments, sending out a link and trying trying that out would be a really good entry point. There are companies and we're starting to replace our 2D meetings and turning those into 3D meetings. So that's a really practical entry point. You can start to do things like, let's look at these bigger, more popular environments and let's get a sense for, let's consume some of that. So there are environments like Decentraland, and go to decentraland.org. That's an environment that is a blockchain-based metaverse environment. And there are quite a lot of users. Lots of that playing, socializing, working is actually happening there. Lots of brands are in that environment. And that might be, I mean, there's a definitely a buying land in an environment like that is that might sound ridiculous. Buying land in a digital environment. We didn't think we'd be saying that a few years ago, but it's happening. And they're selling for tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars, where you might have an environment right next to JP Morgan Chase or next to Snoop Dogg or next to, there's some scarcity around the land. And so kind of going and consuming and understanding what's going there would be good. A practical use case would be buying some land and setting up an actual presence for your brand. So if you are a a non-product business, if you're a services business, I think about, you know, there's quite a lot of businesses there, consultants, think about therapy and, and healthcare, lots of things there, but being able to have a presence where people can actually come to a storefront. It's very similar to having like a Facebook page or having a, a Google Maps presence, right? If you're a local business and how important that is, right? That became super important. And if you didn't have that for your local business, then it's like you were behind. Eventually there will be a day when these metaverse environments are consumed by massive amounts of users well, where your kind of metaverse presence will be as important as having like a Google Maps presence or a Facebook page or an Instagram business page or things like that being on these social environments. And so that is something that people can do today. People are holding virtual meetups. I talked about internal meetings. You can do client meetings. You can do virtual meetups. So instead of saying, hey, let's meet at this location, opening that up and saying, hey, here's the link to that environment. And let's host 100 people in this kind of environment and present our information that way. We're seeing a lot of people do that from a entry point kind of standpoint. They're definitely some of the more engaging ways to be involved in the metaverse is building kind of more interactive experiences. So this is like definitely probably the most expensive way to do this, right? Like there's going to be lots of marketing dollars and and things like that tied to that, but there are you can create experiences in these metaverse environments that are more gamified where you can say like, "Hey, we're going to host this thing here and then we're going to do a giveaway or it might be a gaming experience where like, "Hey, go and I explore our metaverse environment, this 3D kind of space and go and find these three tokens and then those that earn the three tokens can get an NFT or things. So there's a lot of uh, companies kind of doing things like that. And these metaverse environments make those kinds of things doable without code. A lot of the bigger platforms will let you do that with just kind of editors. Think about like Adobe Photoshop and opening that to edit photos. A lot of these have these uh, companion apps that help businesses go and think about these interactive experiences. And actually the entry point's not too crazy. As easy as downloading something and going through some guides to see 
see, see how that's done. So there are other ways people are, are looking at that, but I would recommend today, like I said, it's probably not something we want to have everyone be focusing on, especially if you're a smaller business, but it's something that you want to be aware of and educating yourself about and starting to form strategies about how you might have a presence, whether that's buying virtual digital land or that's starting to host virtual meetings in these kind of 3D spaces and seeing how that improves the interconnective, you know, the interpersonal communication thing that we were talking about earlier. So those are kind of some of the things that come to mind. There's a lot to it, isn't there? I imagine you get some questions repeatedly. You know, you kind of have some common questions being asked to you these days. Just the more you you share about this, the more you're tracking things. Are there any that come to mind that you get more often than others? We get the question a lot of, what is the kind of timeline we're looking for for mass adoption? So a lot of people are like, great, good to know. So when should I start caring, right? What are the things I should be looking for uh, is another thing we we get. And I think the way I'd like to answer that, well, it definitely depends on the industry. It's not going to be ready for everyone. But in general, like I said, it's not critical yet. But we're definitely in the pre-iPhone 2006 pre-iPhone stage or the pre-internet kind of 1995 stage where a lot of people are like, yeah, I don't really know about that. We're, we're a few few years away. But the signs we're looking for are when you start to see these metaverse environments get built into major social media platforms. So Facebook, now Meta, right? They have Horizon Worlds. They have Horizon Events. They have Horizon Marketplace. Horizon, I think there's four different versions of the thing called Horizon that they're calling their metaverse environment. It's quite inaccessible today. You have to have a VR headset. But they've already announced that that's going to get built into a new tab in Instagram. So when that happens, that'll be a pretty big deal and you definitely want to keep an eye on that. When you start to see major platforms build in their metaverse environments, that's one. Number two is when AR, augmented reality, starts to become native on your phone and the way that QR codes are now native. I don't know if you remember, like I was thinking back in 2012 when I proposed to my wife and the whole QR code thing was just not a thing. And my wife had to download an app to do this scavenger hunt thing that I did. And it was, it was a flop. It was a bit of a flop proposal. We might've talked about this, but, uh, it was early and now pandemic has really enabled a lot of the QR code stuff, but so has you know the major adoption of the iPhone and Android. The fact that QR code reading is built into cameras, it's a pretty big deal. It's now native and so it's enabled technologies like QR codes, right? When AR starts to become native in your camera, that is a big sign to start to pay attention. And that's because it's a, it's a digital layer over the real world, very much kind of in this metaverse, the kind of metaverse conversation we're talking about. So that's allowing it to be more and more accessible. And then lastly, the third thing is when smart glasses, not necessarily augmented reality or virtual reality, but when smart glasses are starting to be adopted and are worn by 50 million users or more, you want to start paying attention. That's coming. That's probably one of the things that's coming the soonest. There's a lot of brands that are there, but we are seeing that maybe not the first generation, but the second generation of these smart glasses where you start to have everyday wearables in the same way that those listening might have an Apple Watch on their on their wrist that's more powerful than the technology that sent rockets up to space during the moon landing in the 50s, right? Like we have really powerful devices. We're going to have really powerful smart glasses that will be very common and normal to be wearing in the same way that we have watches. And when we start to see that, um, and we're at that 50 million user plus, definitely start paying attention. So those are the three signs I like to tell people, major adoption in social media, AR becomes native in your phone, 
and or <laughs> uh, everyday wearable smart glasses. Those are kind of the things we look for. Timeline-wise for like mass adoption of the metaverse is another question we get. Probably five to 10 years out still, but we're at that pre-iPhone stage like I told you about. There's a lot of, a lot of questions around that. Maybe the last thing I'll answer on that is people ask what technologies need to advance or what things need to be like need to be matured to be able to enable the metaverse to kind of exist or to to kind of accelerate essentially. And there's definitely quite a lot like there's definitely a lot of convergence of technology that enabled it today. Things like remote work, right? That accelerated drastically during the pandemic, but we have like mobile adoption, 5G, eventually we're going to have 6G and like computing and and speed of internet on devices that aren't, you know, plugged into the wall. AR, VR, all those are technologies that have allowed things to move things forward, but as it relates to other technologies, we're looking at things like the bridge building between metaverse environments. So, we look at things like avatars and how important it is to have how you represent yourself digitally in these environments. And then the things that you buy in this digital economy, right? If you're going and buying something, can you bring that with you to other environments and that interoperability and how important that is for the space? So we're looking at looking at that really closely and seeing what companies are are providing that. And we're hoping kind of encourage that and, and evangelize that a little bit because we care about this uh, accessibility to all. So definitely something something we look for. That's kind of one of the primary things we think about. That's amazing just to think about because I have a hard time looking back and putting my finger on things like the social media, especially. Like what was the one day where all of a sudden it was everywhere? Like it, it ramped up super quick and there wasn't much of a ramp up time between oh, it seems like it's forever in the future. And wait, it's more than just here. Like I'm already behind the eight ball. So that in and of itself has taught us that you can't just, I guess it's not wise to just totally ignore it. Like there's a reason to be tracking it in its infancy and whatever phase we're calling this right now. Absolutely. I agree with that. I mean, I think... I think there's been skepticism. Like I said, there's a lot of skepticism around whether or not there is a metaverse or metaverse environments today or if it's even coming. But I would argue, think about how much we care about our digital presence today, right? We care about our social environments and how we're perceived and what we post and that our digital presence is already important. And the metaverse is just kind of adding a new kind of dynamic to that. And to your point, if you think about technologies like AR, that's... That's not a sleeping giant anymore. Even though we don't have everyday wearable augmented reality glasses, and, and we consider augmented reality kind of a, a a child technology under the metaverse, there's quite a lot of adoption there. There's if you think about just like Snapchat, for example, you got 339 million daily active users, and 73% of those users, um, that's 250 million, they're engaging with augmented reality on a daily basis. 250 million people, and that's not Gen Z, that's millennials. That's a whole different demographic. 250 million people using augmented reality. And the core experiences are no longer those face effects where they're like turning the camera and putting on a mask or putting on a fancy hat or making their nose big. We're talking about flipping the camera and actually interacting with something in your environment, right? That's quite a lot, quite a lot of users. So nine to 34 year olds makes up 78% of their user base. And so lots is happening with with augmented reality just on mobile phones. And uh, that's one of those things that's like, oh, I don't know if that ever really caught on. Like maybe I use it for my Amazon to place my couch, right? Or I use it with the IKEA Place app and I might be like seeing what a lamp looks like on my desk. But yeah, that's not really catching on. Well, it's catching on for 
for some demographics and large amounts of users. And, and so, yeah, I think we might wake up one day and say, wow, like this exists, right? Or it's like, hey, Zoom goes from 2D and now they provide a virtual version of that. That's a metaverse environment. You have Microsoft Mesh that's already introduced avatar alternatives to your face. Okay, what, what might that enable, right? Zoom's already released a version of that. So the, there's going to be these incremental feature updates that might be then turn into that killer use case that enables mass adoption or killer use cases that enables mass adoption. So definitely something you want to keep an on and it does creep up, creep up on you pretty quick. It really does. That's why that again, that's just why I like keeping an eye on it now. Last question for you, Johnny, and this has to do with, with healthcare. Are there, you mentioned some signs to keep an eye on of when, when we'll notice that there's, there's true momentum happening and that things are really close to the mainstream. It definitely feels like healthcare in general, usually takes a little bit longer to adopt anything new. Are those signs, would you say those are the same signs to know if healthcare is ready for the metaverse or are there other things we should be paying attention to? Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of the same things I mentioned apply here, like looking at certain things to to mature. I mean, there's definitely elements still needed in general. I think these apply to healthcare and then there's maybe one of those that's really, really specific to healthcare, but it's like attracting an audience for the metaverse is still an element that's needed. If you think about healthcare, right? Getting all demographics to adopt something like a metaverse or metaverse environments is going to be a challenge. Um, so definitely something we have to think about, like how accessible is it to our to the users? And that's when you start to see like, are there hospital networks that are making that accessible in the browser and on mobile phones and in virtual reality and in augmented? So then you're tapping into all kind of generations, right? Is it accessible for my grandparents? Is it accessible to my kids, right? When they're in high school, does it appeal to both, you know, that wide range of, of audiences. There's definitely a concern around, I mean, think about healthcare has a lot more requirements around HIPAA and a lot of those compliances, uh, compliance things. So there's definitely like a privacy and security concern that people are thinking about and needs to be tackled. So I think when we start to see focus and people tackling that in a really, in a way that is compliant with a lot of these things that are inside of healthcare. That's definitely a, a, a big thing to look at. I talked about interoperability, but I think the really the thing we're talking about is being able to have your health data be something that you own. So we talk about like your avatar and your digital presence. What we're talking about really as it relates to healthcare is has there been innovation around your healthcare data being owned by you in a digital ledger, like in a blockchain technology. I know you've interviewed previously, I think it was a iMedis talked about some things that they're doing. There's mm-hmm. other organizations that are thinking about this. We've interviewed a few people that are working with dynamic NFTs and thinking about like NFTs that can be, that's a, a whole new terminology there, but you've probably heard of NFTs, dynamic NFTs, ones that can be changing over time and that can be tied to you. Dynamic NFTs are used for like sports. So it could be like how well a player does. And at the end of a game, the NFT is more valuable because they scored a touchdown, right? In healthcare, it might be like the data that comes from my, my Apple Watch to the Apple Health, you know, the health app on my, um, on my phone is now tied to an NFT. And so my data is dynamic. It's updating to see like if I'm at a specific BMI or if I have a specific resting heart rate. And so my dynamic NFT being really robust and owned by me, there's not Anything like that that's been mass adopted, definitely something we want to look at. Just the high cost of technology, even though VR is great and I have a quest, not everyone's going to get a quest and spend the three to $500 for a VR headset. And so again, that accessibility, the entry point of this stuff is, is pretty important. So just accessibility to the hardware tech to enable that kind of 
hyper-realism and immersiveness of kind of the, the metaverse will be all those, those are all elements that are still needed that will really help with healthcare. Like you may want to do your therapy, right? Mental health and doing counseling. You may still want to do that in person, the pandemic, like for me and my wife and we did, we like to do a counseling, like we do our, our car checkups and do that every, every so often. And we've been doing that, some of that virtually. Is it the same? Yeah, I guess kind of, sort of, and we're getting more and more used to it. Then taking that even a step further, like, do I want to meet with my, with our counselor in a 3D environment in the metaverse as avatars? Right now that might sound far-fetched, but there might be more and more acceptance of that just with time and things like that. So those are all kind of things that are elements that are still needed, right? So I mentioned probably five or six things there, but um, those are all things that will enable more and more of that kind of mass adoption in healthcare. Uh, well, I love talking about just being aware of these things. And uh, and Johnny, I really appreciate being able to to drill down so far and, and help us understand what's coming, uh, when to pay attention and, and so forth. Uh, thanks for giving us so much to think about. And uh, hey, maybe the next time we have you on, maybe, uh, maybe we'll be interviewing in the metaverse. You know, maybe we can pick our environment and, uh, and uh, we'll, we'll be using our avatars. So I would not be opposed to that. That'd actually be kind of cool. So yeah, that would be cool. I can show you our office, our uh, our Fresh Texas office. <laughs> we love it. We love it. Where do listeners, uh, if they want to connect with you and just learn more about the stuff you and you're doing and, and Fresh Consulting, uh, where's the best place for them to reach you? Yeah, that's a great question. So I work for a company called Fresh Consulting. So you can look at us, look us up at freshconsulting.com. All of our social media is at, at Fresh Consulting. Me personally, I do a lot of tweeting and I'm on LinkedIn. That's uh, at try Johnny T R Y J O H N N Y. And I couldn't get the handle on on uh, on TikTok, <laughs> but I have a TikTok, and um, there, there's some hype around that, and some of the st- small videos I post there. That's at Metaverse Johnny, and you can see some stuff there more tailored to the kind of this conversation, Metaverse advancements of of uh, you know animation engines that are enabling things like the Metaverse or things that are happening at universities, Metaversities, and and all that kind of good stuff. So you can find me there as well. Hey, thanks again for listening. We hope you found some value in this conversation. And if you did, do us a favor and follow us using your favorite podcast app. Then tell your friends and colleagues about us. If you like what you heard, please spread the word. Healthcare App is a member of the Shift.Health Content Network. If you enjoyed this podcast, you're going to love the other shows in the Shift.Health Content Network. Go check out the latest show. In fact, it's called Hello Healthcare, hosted by Chris Hemphill. It's focused on people who are moving healthcare forward, how healthcare strategy relates to data and AI, and what you can do to create or demand a better future. Subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform or at Shift.Health, where all 35 podcasts and video series are free and available on demand. Until next time, keep marketing forward. Thanks, and that's a wrap. Thank you.